Well, welcome back, Speech Guy listener. We have a bonus episode here. We've done one other bonus episode. Uh, that was with my grandma, Grandma Tinoco, who has uh, since passed away. So, yeah, this episode is attached to the uh, He Got Game podcast episode, the kind of full episode. So, Chris did guest host that. Both he and I felt like there were some topics attached to that that we didn't have the opportunity to get to. Um, So we wanted to do a little bonus episode to sort of touch more specifically on those topics as they relate to the two speeches in He Got Game. But just to briefly reference them, that first father-son speech is between Denzel Washington's character Jake when he basically has the first meaningful interaction with his son after getting out of prison for a week, Um, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Um, Kind of introducing on how he sees his son, whom he, um, uh, he gets his name from. And then the second speech we looked at was the speech that he gave during the one-on-one game, sort of the final speech where... He sort of gives his son the freedom, the opportunity to decide whether to send his dad back to prison. We'll go from there. So we got Chris back in the podcast studio. How are we doing tonight, Chris? Doing all right. Can't complain. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing all right. It's almost Friday. Chris, I don't know if you remember one of the first times that we met. I don't know if this was the this wasn't the first time. But it was definitely one of the first times where I asked if we you wanted to climb downstairs, a little top rope. Do you do you remember like one of the first things I asked you? Maybe it was a little audacious for a relatively first encounter. <laughs> yeah, I I think I did. I think you you asked a very general question. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we got into the heat of it fairly quickly. <laughs> and we, we've touched on a little bit of um, race type issues uh, here and there, but tonight we're going a little bit deeper into it, but specifically in the context of father-son type stuff. Here's the first here's the first question we're going to open up things pretty much straightforward to the point, your particular experience. There's certain ways I can identify with the two speeches the identity that the uh, father wants to imbue his son with, um, and then also grant him a certain freedom. But specific to you, Chris, as black man, who obviously has a father, who also has his own son, like, is, is there anything watching either of those two speeches um, that sort of resonates most as a black man that that just stick out to you in that aspect of your identity? Oh, man, deep question. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think um, the overall theme of the, of the movie was Jake wanted his son to be, he wanted him to meet his potential. And if he could, exceed his potential. So he pushed him for years to do just that. And he may have pushed him a little too hard. Um, you know, he risked alienating his son and obviously he ended up in prison because there was an altercation a domestic situation where he accidentally killed his wife that wasn't what he intended but i can absolutely identify with my father's relationship and i he always pushed us to be 
to meet our potential and exceed it always. And once you meet the mark, then keep going, keep going, keep going. So one thing that my grandpa didn't actually say this to me, but my mom did sort of pass it on uh, through him. I can certainly imagine him saying it, but one thing that my grandpa always said um, was do everything to the best of your abilities and you'll owe apologies to no one. Was there any like quote snippet like that that your dad used to uh, drop on you regularly? Uh, I mean, not, not just my dad, both my parents, but uh, like, okay, specifically my dad. Yeah. He, he wouldn't say anything quite as uh, buttoned up as that, but meet, uh, do as, do the best that you can because you have to was the overriding mm. thing. You absolutely have yeah. to, you have to be better mm. than you are. You have to be better than your peers to be seen as adequate in American society. Do you know anything about your grandpa and dad's relationship growing up? Good, bad, average as far as you can tell? It was it was good as far as I could tell. Um, my grandfather was an older, he was older. I don't, I don't know what the average age a person becomes a dad, but he was older. You know, there's, there's some complexity there, but, and that expectation was there. So I want to tether um, kind of what you just shared with the interview that we've mentioned with the Denzel Washington, the, the Denzel Washington interview. So briefly to synthesize this interview that I'm referencing, this was done, that uh, looked like six years ago or so. Um, and Denzel Washington was asked... Um, Basically, his his comments, his opinions on what what the United States needs to do about the fairness and effectiveness of the legal system um, based upon the disparity in outcomes in who's in jail, you know, based upon your socioeconomic status. And Denzel Washington's response was. Uh, something to the effect of the system's broke, but we can't really do anything about it. He was very brief on that. The problem is in the home. And then he went on to share how, you know, I had two friends. Those two friends' fathers weren't around, and they ended up in jail. And, you know, I ended up Denzel Washington. And so how, how, I, sort, how I sort of shared in the notes with you, Chris, there's a lot of people... You know, just calling it like it is, white conservative Christians who say like, "Look, there it is," <laughs> like end of conversation. Denzel Washington said it right there. I mean, what, what then does need to be done with system, right? Because that that's obviously like the a lot of the. And correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe Black Lives Matter does emphasize both the system and building better black homes yeah the white conservative christian would say yep that's it end of conversation no need to upend the system and whatever sort of sort of we were looking at so how how do you approach that particular question denzel and basically ever every other adult black person in america knows that that's a very complex question there isn't enough time to really talk about all of it so he chose one thing and i think and just just from watching the interview he chose that one thing is because it is something that black people can um, improve 
we're not dependent on anybody else to do that for us or you know partner with us to do that uh talking about the system yes the system can be improved but we can't do it by ourselves we we just can't we're 13 percent of the population we don't have the political power to to move that rock yet is it frustrating because i would presume that you do not identify with the beliefs of every single black person in the black lives matter Right. All right. It's it's not a it's not like everyone believes the exact same thing. Right. 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 Some believe a little more this way, a little more that way. And so, in fairness to that thought, because I'm trying to think like from from the other end of it, like because you know, as you're well aware, we've talked again a little bit about this, but as a practicing Catholic, someone who takes it really seriously, there's there's certainly a lot of people who would see like only the extremist. Catholic who thinks that the election was stolen and you know you can fill in fill in all the other blanks yeah and be something like well look this is clearly the problem with America is like people like that but the the thing that's being missed there of course is that I would not want someone to out of hand like reject the body of faith I call like the Catholic Church, because like all they can see is January people like that. Oh, you're January sixth, all that stuff. Yeah, and I think in fair, that's I think a very reasonable sort of like metaphor lens, because yeah, speaking like honestly, there's certainly a lot of people, fairly like reasonable people, who like will not consider anything of the sentiment. Of Black Lives Matter because there's because all you see is like the extremist type view or the type beliefs, but it's like yeah, talking to you like I know that you wouldn't you know do you know whatever extremist things that Black Lives Matter violence whatever. the the point The point like I'm trying to make here is like there's a lack of conversation because <laughs> maybe you can sort of help me out here and sort of see 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 where I, see where I'm getting at. Um, I'm I'm trying to use a metaphor to like lend legitimacy to like the conversation of anti-racism as in like the more academic sense of the term and like quote unquote normal people. Yeah. Moderate yeah. moderate thinking people. And yeah, trying to use that extremist conservative as sort of like a meta- metaphor type thing. Um Yeah, okay. I, I I get where you're going and um Yes, Denzel did say that, but you'll see a lot of that and the white conservative Christian uh, and not obviously not all of them. This, you know, the the stereotype, the people in the halls of power or that are pandering to the people that will vote for them because of X, Y and Z, whatever. They will take somebody like Denzel, who is a prominent, successful Mm. black person and say, look, he said it or they'll take Malcolm X look, he said it, or MLK, and they, they love to quote these people and say, yeah. look, they said this, but it's out of context, or they twist the meaning of what was actually being said, and it, really, it's a, lazy, it's a lazy argument. You know, he said it, and the system is absolved, and they are the system, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's not realistic, and, and, and like you mentioned, any extremist is going gonna, is gonna to do that, uh, do something similar. Do some. What do you mean? Do something similar. I mean, if it, you talk about Black Lives Matter, look look how it's uh, painted in the media. Um, 
really, if you boil it down, what is Black Lives Matter? It is civil rights. Uh, that that's certainly the vision. I'll certainly grant you that. Certainly yeah. the old the vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's civil rights. I mean, is it executed that way? Is is it uh, is it perfect? No, certainly not. Is anything perfect? Certainly not. But the meaning is civil rights. That's that's what we're asking for. We want. Yeah. You know, you look at America. You take it off the shelf. You get the box in front of you, and you you look at the the back, and I, I want America to be what it says on the tin. Mm, mm, that's yeah. that's what Black Lives Matter is supposed to mean. That's the ideal. Yeah. You know, there's. Um, do you listen to the sixteen nineteen podcast at all, or? Uh, I do not, but I'm familiar with the project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have listened to a few episodes. And and fair as myself, like some some stuff, I'm like, no, absolutely not. But some stuff is like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Completely interesting. One one particular thing, even I know we're sort of digressing, but we're sort of on the same topic too. Mm-hmm. But e- even the idea that the idea they're getting as, of course, is that America actually began in like 1619, yeah, with the first first slave ship. It's like. Like even that, like the way that it's being communicated is like, yeah, of course, yep. African Americans were a huge part in building up our country. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's undeniable. but there's doing your best to meet in the middle. Like say, yeah, I'll definitely grant you this. Not sure about this, but yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Okay, I had I did comment in the notes that. Okay, so here here's the example that I was sort of referencing in the notes specifically. There was a time where I was just making small talk with your son while you were on the audible or something, and and then you came up and like a lot of how was he twelve? He was sort of mumbling, which you know I I do when I was I do when I was twelve, mm-hmm. normal thing. And you said to him, like, speak up, just very firmly and clearly. And not a lot, I would I would definitely say the minority of fathers would say that. But I was just really impressed by that. And so what I'm getting at here is that, you know, obviously you're sort of this, not just among African Americans, but just any dad, just an example of just an exemplar dad. And so is it is it frustrating though going back to the black identity is it frustrating though when you see challenging broken black households black families who blame the system quote unquote but they're not exactly batting a thousand in these these other ways you know that father, obviously it's not all just father son but other other family dynamics as well yeah i i get what you're saying but uh first of all yes thank you for the compliment i'm, I'm just trying to model myself after my parents <laughs> um but does it frustrate me uh yes but i don't i don't think that is what we're seeing i don't think that is the norm in the community uh people blaming the systems overall i mean i grew up in a black neighborhood and mm-hmm all my life and what i and my experience is anecdotal of course but most people want to do good most people want to make their way most people want to do x y and z they have aspirations right uh but surely surely yes there are people that do blame the system you know we've been this way it is this way the system is this this way i get what you're saying that is frustrating but i don't that 
again, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not aware of a study or anything like that. I'm sure there are studies out there, but I feel like that is a, a small vocal minority uh, that is or not even vocal, but uh, there's a there's a lens on that minority of people. You know, yeah. Ronald Reagan sure. started uh, kind of started with him, you know, the whole welfare welfare queen type thing, seeing that being portrayed and parroted by politicians and, you know, still today. Yeah. But uh, to respond to uh, why I did that with with my son, that's something that my parents did, uh, specifically my dad, because you have to use your voice. You you have mm-hmm. to stick up for yourself. You have to project. Otherwise, you will be ignored, actively ignored. Yeah. You have to make them deal with you, and you have to be excellent. You know, there... <laughs> I'm not sure how antsy you're getting over the uh, debt ceiling here. Yeah, I'm just sort of like playing in my head with, you know, the idea of like the system type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think, you know, it's like what, because the thing is, like everyone has, quote unquote, like the system, like victimizing themselves because of one thing or another. And I'll, I'll admittedly, <laughs> not podcasting scared here. <laughs> like my one of one of many systems one of my systems is like being the youngest right in in a sense that's like a system where society and different different individuals interact with you in a certain way because you're the youngest and it's it's, it's something like the point that I'm trying to make is like the kind the kind of like language in terms of you you're you're very big on like empathy right which is good. I am. My my only critique of that is that you need that, but also more complex language at times of different um, moral uh, uh, moments. But the the idea is being that you can. I'm I'm trying to think of like an exercise that one could do again, not to simply say like trying to meet people where they're at. I don't necessarily identify with your or don't necessarily agree with your complaints about this particular system, but I'm going to try to think about what systems I might have issue with in my life. And even just like that kind of language, like going through that mental exercise, I think can at least go part of the way. And people just want to be seen. You know, I I reference you know, here we go. Here's the uh, Kim Gardner interview or um, press conference I was referencing. The the press conference that I'm referencing here is uh, St. Louis's circuit attorney, who um, by almost all accounts has done a very poor job and recently resigned. But there's this press conference shortly after a young woman from Tennessee lost her legs to a guy running into her on the sidewalk who um, was out on, I, I forget the exact language, maybe you know it better, but was out on bond and had somehow broken his bond like 50 times, literally 50 times, dozens of times. But anyway, at this press conference, you know, Kim Garner is being questioned by the media, understandably, rightly so, and but there was a group of... African Americans, you know, dozen maybe or so, who were very vocally supporting her against all 
like belief, you know, despite everything that had happened. And one of the journalists from KMOX that I was listening to this on said something very profound and I strongly identify with and I shared with you. It's these individuals there who are supporting her. They weren't supporting her whether or not they would have said this or not. I'll leave it to them to say. They weren't supporting her because they like seeing volleyball players lose their legs in accidents. It's like that's not... It's because it's this, like, metaphor or something. It's like if, if quote-unquote, we lose Kim Gardner in this position of leadership, then then we're losing ground, It's in a sense. Yeah, I don't know. They, you know it's, just, it's just a good example of that nuance, a sort of meeting in the middle that I think is, is lost sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's a, uh, a fairly complex situation. Kim actually said several times that there are forces at play that, you know, the public are generally unaware of. There are political forces that are, are uh, at play. You know, you know how in St. Louis and Kansas City, we have our own local political situation and then at the state level there's a different political situation right and the people in the state they say uh, local control is good blah 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 but the reality is they are working to subvert that i would imagine some of that is coming into play you know having jefferson city saying or dictating you know st louis kansas city don't even have control of their police departments and for what reason? I just don't know. I mean, um, I sort of lost you a little bit there, but it's it's just a try again if you want. Yeah, it's an analogy about. Uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to uh, say that the politicians that are in Jefferson City, overwhelmingly they they say local control is good. People should be able to determine right, what sure, they want. Sure. Yeah. However, the th- the things that they do uh, are a direct a direct contradiction of what they're saying, meaning taking local control away from the quote bad places end quote like kansas city or st louis right well we'd be starting to digress if we kept going into right. this but well yeah we, we don't have to we don't have to yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll set that there okay so our third sort of third point that i want to go off with the 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 heading for this section of conversation i put uh fathering outside an explicitly christian framework so one of the books that we're me and the guys were referencing in our last podcast was a book called wild at heart by john eldridge we referenced um a, uh, a book and a podcast interview um, from a gentleman called John Tyson. Um, he was a Christian and acknowledged or observed or sensed that um, modern Western culture is lacking in rituals, specifically masculine rituals for initiating men in, or boys into men. And so... The point is that, as one could tell from listening to that conversation, like how one goes about being a great dad, at least in my life, is shaped around this Christian language, right? That's just how how I understand it. And if it's not explicitly Christian language, it's like it's influenced by it, or at least it, it feels that way. And there's... There's a certain 
Well, you can break it apart in different ways. I think the most like benign and easy to access in conversation would be like a um, sort of uh, innocent curiosity. Is like how how <laughs> I don't want to sound like goofy. Like how how I'll put it really goofy and simply first. How non Christians be good dads. <laughs> but but again it's like I wanna I wanna like couch it not in like some sort of Oh, you don't have Jesus in your life. You can't we can't be a good dad. No, it's not exactly like that. And you could maybe say like some sm- some segment is like that. But more more so just like from a purely psychological uh, stand standing if you're not immersed in an environment that's constantly emphasizing this tension between mercy judgment you know discipline freedom like how do you how do you build that worldview um in your in your child in your son so chris we have discussed religion a little bit before you're a I will lapse Catholic if I may use those words. So how how do you go about that? You know, in the circles that you hang around, how is it talked about? You got the floor. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I and you have you have to use gatekeeping in your response because that was one of your notes. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'll get to that. But I I, I guess I'm unaffiliated. I, I that's what I would call myself. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but. How do we talk about, you know, it's kind of like you're right-handed, right? You've been right-handed all your life, yet there are left-handed people out there, and they get the job done. And it's hard to understand. I mean, I thought about this, and I kind of, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that. You know, you're using wrong hand, but it still works. It's still, so I I use that analogy because it's kind of the same way. You know, even though it's not faith-based for me in, in, in particular, uh, I, I like to fall back to the whole empathy thing and uh, and and also a good example from from my parents or my friends and that's how I've done it. So let let's play a little bit with um, those very things um, that I've uh, that I just brought up there that that ritual thing, mm-hmm. right? So one one place that obviously you get rituals from just by default. You know, as a Catholic, obviously we have baptism, first communion, uh, and confirmation. Is that something that, like sticks out to you? Like, huh? I should maybe have some rituals for my son, or no? Uh, because when I think about my experiences with those rituals, and I, I view them as something that I had to do, because you know that's just what we did. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just what we had to do. It's kind of like punctuation. End of one thing, start of another thing type thing. But really, the ritual or, you know, the the example that I got from my father was, this is how you be a good man. Uh, This is how you are a good man by doing this, that, and the other thing. And, I mean, that's an entirely whole different conversation, I think, but... It wasn't just one thing. That that's my 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 experience. My dad did a lot of things with us growing up. There was in I'd say there were there was there was initiation like things 
initiation dash like but i there you know for whatever reason maybe it's simply it's because i am actively in a christian culture so mm-hmm. it's like the idea of rituals just around more but there's definitely a desire on my part for to have had more rituals like that mm-hmm. um in my life growing up so when you say a coming of age ritual is there something specific that you wish yeah so so we did we have yeah me and my friends have discussed this um and sort of made like little spreadsheets for us to look at so here's here would be one of mine and this can go for guy and girl but you know in just purely honestly like if my daughter did not want to do something like this like i'd have no issue but with my son i would be a little I wouldn't completely force him, but it would be pushed a lot harder. So here, here's, yeah, one, maybe when they're, I don't know, 12. Well, you, you could do it in different ways at different ages, but let's say somewhere in the 10 to 12 is my knee-jerk reaction. He needs to plan a camping trip for the whole family, one night, whatever, car camping trip. It's completely on him. Now, he can delegate, of course. He can delegate, ask for help. He, he picks the place, picks out directions. No one's using their phone. He's going to find mapquest.com if that still exists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, makes the mint, gets the menu, blah, blah, blah. And it is completely on him. If we get lost, he has to bring, he has back, bring us back. If he forgets a meal, we're going to be hungry that <laughs> night. Right? And... But but here's the thing is that it's like if it happens, like it's not like I, I would yell at him. No, <laughs> like no, it's no, like no. well, like that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess we're gonna be hungry tonight, right? But but yeah, that sense of responsibility being complete that I feel like that'd be really a powerful experience. Yeah. Um, the... Well, when you put it that way, I, I would. I, there are certain points in my life with my dad that we did kind of do stuff like that where, you know, learning to cook. Absolutely. You are cooking the meal for your, for the family. You have to, there's no, you have to learn how to do this because if you can't cook, you can't live. So stuff like that, learning to drive. I think that that's, that kind of qualifies, I think maybe. Um, But you know, there's one time I was learning to drive and you know, 15 year old me, we're going around this curve and there's a little bit of a runoff and I go out into the runoff because I was a little nervous and I look over at my dad and he's, he's, uh, he's calm, cool as a cucumber. All right. And he just kind of looked at me and said, all right, fix it. And you know, that stuff like that, where you have to, you, it's on you. There's no one that's no yeah. one's going to save you. It's on you. Yeah, your dad definitely had it spot on um, with the sort of demeanor that he was uh, presenting in the moment you were driving off the cliff. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, obviously the the father needs to clearly communicate if you're oblivious that something bad is going to happen if you don't yep. change what you're doing. But you don't want that child to be more afraid of the dad than the consequences of that mistake. Right. You know? Right. I, I think that's um, one thing that my dad is really good at. You know, you know how they uh, politicians say, or good politicians say, never legislate in an emergency. 
because hmm. you're not you're not going to get it right. You're not going to get it right. You're going to make more problems than you solve. Um, and it's the same in in my experience as as a dad. It's the same thing. Um, don't do anything when your emotions are running high. You know, if something happens, it happened. You can't change that. And how you react to that is going to be formative for your child. And you don't want to scar your child, like you said. <laughs> yeah. So you have Kim Stanley Robinson. I don't know what quote you're referencing, so I'm intrigued uh, what that's going to be in uh, in gatekeep gatekeeping. So let's play with play with those. What you're getting at here? Okay. Uh, yeah, I I love Kim Stanley Robinson. He's a, a hard sci-fi author. I, I love sci-fi, and it's it's very sciencey and very difficult. So many times I have to look up words that he's using because he uses a lot of twenty dollar words, and I love that. Anyways. In one of his series, the the Mars trilogy, where they they colonize Mars and they terraform it, and uh, you know there's a rise of political factions and complexity on the planet, and the interaction between Mars and Earth is complicated, of course. But in this new society that's being born, um, as they're trying to hash out what they're going to be, they're deciding what they're going to be. Um, he he mentions, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here. He says. People focus on the one percent or the half percent that they are different, and they they really go after that half percent, and they ignore with all of the every fiber of their being being the ninety nine point five percent that they have in common. So when I think about the differences between, say, a, a faith based uh, lifestyle, or you know whether it be Christian or Muslim or Jewish or whatever, or secular or or atheist, or what have you. I think everybody wants the same thing for the most part. 99.95%. Everybody wants the same thing. <clears throat> yes, there there will be differences, but we're more similar than we are than we are different. So if you were to raise a child and I'm going to raise a child, uh we want the same thing for that for that child as parents, as fathers. Yeah, I I appreciate Mr. Robinson's sentiment. <laughs> I, there's, cer- there's certainly some truth to that for sure my my pushback is that 0.5 percent or whatever the whatever the minority fraction is yeah it it i i think maybe i'm somewhere in the middle it it does matter but you have to put in perspective is the world going to end if you know that one percent whatever is is quote-unquote fixed um trying trying to think of an example because because the you know the best way to bridge that gap you know is to is to have a life that's like attractive right that other people see and like oh man you know because lord knows as you're well aware you definitely see a lot of bad parents at the climbing gym (laughs) and (laughs) you know it certainly goes a long way in the same way it did for me you know just that small thing that you probably thought i'm sure you don't even remember this moment where you told uh, your son to speak more clearly but but that kind of like style helping people to bridge that that 0.5% or, or something different. 
you know, because he, as as a point like analogy, you could you could communicate the exact same idea with some talking head where it's like, you know, gosh damn, you know, parents, dads don't have a backbone. They don't know how to raise their boys these days, and they're. You know, bunch of little girl, you know, yeah. Nancy, something like that. I think what what is it, the feminization of uh, men in America or something like that's one of the yeah. talking points nowadays. Which I mean, frankly, I don't necessarily disagree with a whole lot, but but at the same time, there is a lot to be said for. I, I've been thinking recently. You know, I'm sure Ben Shapiro. You obviously know who he is, right? Yep. Matt Matt Wall. Yeah, this. And I'm I'm listening. I I watch some of their videos sometimes. They're somewhat. It's, it's it's edutainment is what it is. And it's like your only job is to get people fed up like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I mean, I I can agree with a little this, a little that, but it's like all you're doing is getting people fed. That's so. That's so useless. Yeah. It's so even if you're speaking something that is true, it's still it's still useless. Yeah. They are, and this is my opinion, they are not good people. They are, like you said, rabble-rousers. They're, they have yeah. a platform, and they're pandering to that base, and it's not useful what they're doing. Should we talk about gay pe- gatekeeping? <laughs> Go on the gatekeeping. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in the same vein, I think in terms of gay pe- gatekeeping, you, you hear different perspectives. Um, I grew up in a very diverse situation you know i i had and have um friends from all different stripes of life all different demographics the idea that one group of people is doing it right and everybody else is wrong makes no sense to me you know that that's the gatekeeping that i'm i'm talking about where you can't live a good life unless it's a uh, x y and z based or uh you're doing this or you're doing that <laughs> And you see that all the time. There, a lot of people love to gatekeep life, anything in life. That that was my whole point. You don't have to be. It does not have to be faith-based or Christian-based or, um, you know, if you're an anti-theist. You know, it's the same thing. They they are anti-religion. They gatekeep as well. It doesn't have to be that. It's just like I said most of what people want is the same thing. It's that last small percentage that creates a dis- the disagreement. And no, we don't have to fix it. It's impossible. You can't fix it. We can't. We're never going to be a 100% in agreement. Yeah, so <laughs> here, here's my critique, though, is that everyone effectively, you know, is doing what they even if their brain isn't on all the time whenever their brain is on they're doing they're doing what they think is right what they think is the best life whatever and it is nat it's a very natural internal reaction if you think that what you're doing is the right thing or the best thing about whatever about For whatever sure. yep. discipline in life that you're gonna think like that's the right way to do it <laughs> right the way my dad did it this is the way I'm gonna do it. Yeah, and but okay. So basically, what I'm saying is that, that like, at the very most myopic level, like that, that is gatekeeping, right? Or that that's like the seed. You could say that's the seed of gatekeeping. 
to have that like internal recognition. And I mean, I I would then also go on to say that that is a good and healthy belief to have. That yeah, you should you should believe what you're doing is the right thing, and to whatever extent that you can, whatever to whatever um, extent you're able to understand, you know that's yeah. right. Okay, so that that part. Um, but to that, I would also say true. For you in particular, do you believe you're 100% right? Oh, no, definitely no, not. Neither do I. Are you open to different ideas? Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, I like to think. I mean, you have to tell me. But I'm definitely open to, you know, at least hearing. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah. I sure. definitely I get that from you. Yes. Yeah. So, here, yeah, so that, that was first sort of my critique. But, but I think that what you're getting at I'll I'll say maybe the same thing in different words there is a certain because gatekeeping I think I think it's it's sort of another word for just pride yeah 100% sure is another yeah sort of way to put it okay here's here's sort of a a fun way to think about it too I was thinking to myself recently like how sure am I that when I die, I don't know if I'll go to heaven, but at the very least, there will be there will be some judgment. You know, there's, you know, effectively like yeah, Catholic faith that that was it. Like that's this yep. this is what reality is. So I was trying to think. If I ever put a percent on that, how much do I expect that to be the case? I was thinking, being completely honest, hmm. I'd say somewhere between 15 and 35%. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's so interesting, interesting that you're surprised by that. But, oh, man, how how I, <laughs> how I explain that? Like, I feel perfectly fine about that mm-hmm. because that's such a profound, it's such a profound claim yeah. that someone died and rose from the dead and et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, 15 to 35%, that's, that's, in my opinion, reasonable to commit your life to that mm-hmm. because not necessarily say that you go to hell if you don't believe, but I certainly believe there's consequences oh, yeah. in this life and the next for sure. The point that I'm getting here with like the gatekeeping thing and all of this is that there, I, there is a lot to be said for a pattern of belief that is self-satisfying i heard someone in this i think is on point um to sort of what you're getting i heard someone say recently how is that phrased they they were critiquing some sort of social ill (laughs) that again i didn't necessarily disagree with that yeah it is an issue (laughs) and but what they followed up with was well they don't think the way we do Something like that. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. It's like, why do you have to add that part to it? Like, I mean, yeah, I think they're wrong, but... Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but my best guess is that they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's where you get... And I do... Yeah, that's definitely... I think there is... Again, we're sort of saying it in different words, but... Yeah, there is a certain certain pride there that is... uh. 
not the good kind of pride with the no. uh, with gatekeeping there. I've heard that in different circles, and I'm of the opinion that that kind of thinking is largely a lack of uh, understanding and empathy. They don't think the way that we do. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've talked about this. Uh, okay, so one last sort of small pillar. Chris's observations on differences, if any, slash tendencies between black dads and white dads. And we'll, we'll control for socioeconomic status there. <laughs> uh, again, my, my experience is anecdotal, but uh, I, I've observed the entire spectrum. And that, that's, that's good, bad, everything in between. Um, but however, in the friends that I've had, my white friends that I've had, I've noticed that their, their dad's a little less strict. Um, and as for why that is, we, we, we don't know. But uh, I thinking about my experience in America is we can't afford to not again we can't afford not to 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 do the best that we can we have to be better than than we are so my neighborhood you know all of the dads were very ah strict is a little too harsh a word but they were they were on point they were present and and some not mm-hmm. o- not yeah. overly mm-hmm. strict. Uh, yeah, I mean, there yeah. were a couple that were overly strict, but um, generally, the the baseline was higher. I should say that's what that's that's what I should say uh, as compared to some of my white friends. You know, just thinking about how they, you know, even stuff like interacting with your parents. You know, you you can talk to your parents that way. Mm. Uh, hmm. No way. No way. I mean, I know that sounds stereotypical, but that's that's my experience. It it seems like it's a privilege to be less strict because society is more for, forgiving for uh, for young white kids. You know, he's just a boy. Uh, boys will be boys. Uh, second chances, that kind of thing. Whereas we don't really have that luxury. We don't have that privilege. Second chance if you're lucky. A first chance, hopefully. Cool. Well, it's been a great show. I've enjoyed it. Certainly, it's, it's sometimes you don't necessarily hear anything new, but it's always. But even actually, just that last bit was like, huh? Yeah, interesting. Generally less strict. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see where you're coming. It's believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my so. anecdotal experience. With that, there's no music to cue. Maybe we'll cue some music <laughs> here just to keep uh, continuity. But thanks for doing this, Chris. I will see you at the climbing gym next week and have a great camping trip. Maybe you'll make your son plan it. <laughs> oh, he's already Probably cooking. Planned by now, though. <laughs> he's already cooking. Cool. Thanks for having me. Well, have a great night. Send me your audio, and I'll talk to you later. Take care, man.